0: Welcome to B2B Marketers on the Mission, a podcast for B2B marketers that helps you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. Each week, we talk to B2B marketing experts who share inspirational stories, discuss their thoughts on trending topics, and provide useful marketing tips and recommendations. And now, here's your host and co-founder of Einbleich Consulting, Christian Klepp. Welcome everyone to this episode of the B2B Marketers in the Mission podcast where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. This is your host Christian Klepp and today I'd like to welcome a guest into the show who is on a mission and that mission is to help B2B marketers to improve their content strategy for business growth. So coming to us from Cardiff, Wales, don't cheat and Google that, all right? Mr. James Shearer, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much, Christian. Good to be here. Yeah, uh, It's about two and a half hours west of London. Look it up on a map. (laughs) From Seattle originally.
0: Yeah. Great to be connected, James, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So let's just get started. eh? Okay. So, James, you're an expert when it comes to B2B content marketing. But for the sake of this interview, let's uh, narrow it down to uh, what we discussed previously, the pillar and post content method. So in our previous discussion, you said something. um, I would say it's an uncomfortable truth when it comes to B2B content, uh, which is you need to become a big website before you rank big keywords. So can you please elaborate on that?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, the idea behind easy ranking is that the fact now that it's, it's, it's impossible. We're well beyond the years when throwing a content piece at the wall of Google search engine um, would make it stick. Like it, it, it there's... It needs to be amazing content, thought leadership, high quality. Um, but you can do all of those things and still not find success. Ultimately, it's about having a domain that Google sees as respectable and sees as providing value. Now, the key way that we do that is by building momentum and starting kind of from starting with with intention with the content strategy, starting slow, starting intelligently targeting key phrases and creating content that uh, is all about building momentum and building domain authority. Um, the idea kind of behind domain authority is domain ranking, domain authority. Moss came up with it a-, a while ago. But it's basically just the idea that like here is a single metric that we can kind of use to say this is a domain or a site that Google is seeing as respectable. And this is a level of respectability in Google's eyes so um for instance we have one of our clients is money.com when they came to us their domain authority was 82. so it's far more it's far easier from them for them to create and rank content than it is for another one of our clients early bird who came to us and their domain authority was 23. they just had it they just got it rolling um so with that client we need to and with anybody who's like at that early stage you need to think okay what are the key phrases and what content can I create that gets me just on the page, that gets me rolling a little bit? And then once you kind of can follow that strategy, build momentum and targeting lower volume, lower hanging fruit kind of targeted key phrases, can you start to consider? Okay, let's go after something a little more competitive, let's start targeting some of those, you know, those key phrases that our larger competitors are are targeting currently. And the pillar and post strategy is, is is a bit of that, which we'll get into, but ultimately it's about just understanding that if you are an early stage business and you are trying to succeed with content marketing, there is no real possibility of you doing it right off the bat targeting massively competitive key phrases. Um, you need to have a foundation strategy in place before you can start targeting something that's a little bit more uh, ambitious, for
0: sure. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And I I love how you brought up the topic about strategy, which we will get into later. But, um, you know, as you were talking, I was um, thinking about something and I I wanted to ask you about it. And this is almost like SEO 101. But what would you say is a decent uh, domain ranking that people should be looking at? Or like a, a, a legitimate ranking?
1: I'll do you one better. Um, mm-hmm. Whenever I'm doing content strategy, I, uh, we have a bit of like a built in process. And so I ask our researcher to pull key phrases, um, targeted key phrases based on the client's domain authority. So when, and the 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 the, the cutoff there is pretty much pre 50 and post 50. Um, and you can actually break it up in even more segments. But if you're going, if, if your domain authority is currently 50, then you shouldn't really be targeting um, any kind of key phrases that have a higher KD or higher competitiveness of more than like thirty and thirty-five. Then once you get beyond fifty, which is like and domain authority is all about referring domains, backlinks, and amount of content ranking on, on for Google. Um, those kind of are the three primary variables that impact it. So once you get beyond fifty K uh, fifty domain authority, then you can start keep, um, targeting kind of pillar posts, particularly between thirty-five and fifty-five and then once you get beyond 70 you can really start targeting with reliable uh you know results some of those higher competition key phrases that are looking in more like the 65 plus uh, phase don't get me wrong it's possible you can do it you can target like and you can you can write for extremely competitive key phrases with a lower domain authority but just if you're looking for like a what should we be expecting and what are kind of the three tiers of domain authority, I would say that that's a reasonable way to look at it. Sub 50, 50 to 50 to 70, 70 plus.
0: Okay, okay, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, You know, you've been in this field for a bit. So you've probably seen it all but like just list some of the common mistakes and misconceptions that people have when it comes to the uh, pillar and post content method and what should be done to address these?
1: Sure. So Quick breakdown. Uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners are aware of the pillar and post method, or, or you know, Backlinko, or Brian Dean called it the skyscraper, on some sites, some and people call it the cluster method. They're all very closely related. The idea is that you create and publish your most ambitious content, the content that you want to rank for really ambitious key phrases first and foremost. Get it indexed, get it live, and then support it with um, internal linking from uh, additional content related to it. So, if you do the complete guide to project management as your pillar piece, targeting the key phrase project management, then your support content would be uh, project, like you know, task task planning, um, task manager, uh, project planning, uh, you know, project manager roles and responsibilities, best practices, that kind of stuff. Support content, um, and only with the creation of both the pillar and the support content will you rank in that category. So, with that kind of established. The primary concern, the probably problems I see people do is the the most frequent one is that people choose their top, like the top most ambitious key phrases that they want to rank for, and just like double down and create the most insane articles ever on those subjects. I think it's worth mentioning that your pillars, while they should be um, the best content you can do, they shouldn't be dissimilar from the support content. It can be a little bit longer simply because the, the subject matter is probably a little bit larger in scope. the so project management needs to be a comprehensive guide and you need to touch on a lot of stuff in order to do that but the piece itself shouldn't be massively dissimilar um don't write a ten thousand word article well, a since you know uh, the may june google algorithm don't publish more than thirty five hundred word articles anyway because like we've seen a lot of decline in in ranking positions for massive content but um all of your content should look similar. It really should. I mean, you can put a little bit more energy into your pillar pieces from a design perspective, or from a uh, you know, a custom images, or maybe do a video or something like that. But it's not like your pillars need to be incredible. and Your support content can be whatever. It all has to be good. Um, another side of this, I think, this is another mistake that people make is when you do when when a lot of businesses do create those massive pillars, um, they create them within a single category. They want to be known as the project plan, uh, project marketing tool or whatever. And so they create massive pillars within that category specifically. Whereas what they could do is they could have an entire category around project, project management, another category around productivity uh, and productivity tools and how to increase productivity in your business, an entire other uh, category around remote work and hybrid workspaces and how project management enables you know, businesses to succeed in a remote and, and a hybrid workspace. Um, and then when you have pillars for each one of those categories, you see which Google just naturally seems to vibe with from your business. You create your pillar pieces and your support content within each category and then see what works. And then once you kind of do have an understanding, I'll give you actually an example before I kind of. We have a client who they're called Early Bird, they're one of the lower D, uh, DA sites that we work with um, to begin with. And we created, uh, we, we wrote content within four categories because I do a pillar and post, post plus categorization uh, uh, content planning. And um, we did gifting, financial literacy, like UGMA, um, UGMA kind of like style, like gifting student loans, like student kind of financial stuff. And I didn't know which one of the categories was going to work. It turned out that naturally their site just clicked more with Google around the gifting and the gifting space, financial gifting, gift tax, et cetera. And so we built off of that category and doubled down on it in kind of Q2 and Q3 after seeing what worked in Q1. And going back to my initial point about around the pillar as well, is that like only when their primary pillars really started to get to the second page of Google, did we go back in and make sure that they were as good as they possibly could be indexing them was the most important thing we could have done in that first quarter, getting them live, getting them, and they're good, but because the expectation wasn't that they were going to rank on the first page and get significant traffic in the first month or first three months, we didn't, I didn't care so much that they like weren't absolutely incredible. I'd rather that they were indexed early. And that's also an error you see is people who like create everything, you know, with equal priority, um, do your pillars first and then support them after the fact Indexing is the most important thing. So everything clicked clicked with gifting, and then they were able to, you know, we were able to double down on that. And in uh, in Q3, we like hit home and cover that category. And now we've actually exhausted with them the amount of kind of content opportunities that are there. And we can move on to like doubling down on the other, uh, the other um, categories, which now I've had a little bit of time to start clicking as well. But A, be dynamic, be versatile, allow your content plan to change. Um, but set it up such that when things happen to naturally click with Google, you can kind of pivot and uh, focus attention on that on whatever's working. Um, so yeah, kind of a few different uh, errors that I see. But in general, there's a lot of strategies to try to address them and and, and, and you know uh, mi- mitigate the risk, I guess, across the board.
0: Yeah, and no, those are definitely good points. And uh, you know, let me just go back to something you said earlier, and I had to follow up questions. So. Um, I know sometimes it's hard to say but what what would you say is the general rule of thumb in terms of the length of the content because you said like for sure like nobody has time to read like a, a piece that's like 10,000 words. but the general rule of thumb would how you know, how long would you say it should be?
1: I mean it, it is going to depend on the subject matter mm-hmm. um, I would say the 1250 to 2500. Okay. Depending on the scope, if you go above two thousand words, make sure you're including a, a table of contents with internal linking down to the headers. Mm. It's relatively straightforward: CSS, HTML, all kind of stuff. Um, Like, and and a lot of CMSs now allow that to be like an in-built block. Sure. What you do, you do want to make sure that if you're going a little bit longer, that you are giving readers the option to navigate to the sections that they're most interested in in, in getting to, and that's going to increase, you know, it's going to decrease bounce rate, it's going to increase time on page, it's actually going to read. Um, the thing they want to read. Otherwise they'll be the first paragraph not be interested in bats. And that is an SEO factor.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And um, this one might be a little bit of a refresher for some of the listeners out there, but you mentioned um, the importance of indexing. So could you elaborate on that a little bit and why that's so crucial?
1: Indexing, so essentially indexing, let's just quickly clarify, is uh, the idea that when you publish a article or a URL live to your site, um, the next time Google crawls your site, it sees it, and that means that the URL is indexed. And you can do it manually within Google Search Console as well, but in general, it's going to be done automatically by Google once every week or two. And the importance of it from an SEO perspective is simply that unless an an article is indexed, it can't be seen, and it can't get backlinks, and it can't get internal links, and it can't get referring domains. Um, And so you prioritize the content you want seen most by publishing it first. Um, the other component of this is that you can't support content. It's, it's You can, of course. You can add uh, internal links to new content um, from old content. That's fine. But it's easier to create support content knowing the article that you're supporting. So get that up live. Get it up first. Um, the other component of, of, of indexing is that, like, a Age is not an SEO factor. We know that Google doesn't reward um, URLs for being older. In fact, it kind of caters to new content, kind of. Um, They like to say that they deliver the most complex, the most up-to-date pieces at the top of Google. And that's true to an extent, but there's a lot of stuff on the first page of Google from 2018 that HubSpot wrote. Domain authority and backlinks and referring domains matter far more than recency. That's just the case. So, that said, indexing early, getting your pillars up up early, gives them the highest chance to build up their own momentum and strengths and backlinks. Um, So, that, because it's, you know, especially if we're talking about serious KD, serious competitiveness here, it may take a year uh, with doing everything that I can possibly recommend you do and creating all this poor content in the world. If you're hitting something that's like 65 plus competitiveness, Um, it can still take a year period with the strategy I'm putting in place. Granted, once you get there, we're talking thousands and thousands of of visitors a month, if you're talking like seriously, but it may take a sec. So give yourself, you know, do it a year in advance. (laughs) Then you want to start actually, you know, if you want to like, okay, we have a sales funnel in place now. I'm super glad we published that pillar piece a year ago, because now we can drive traffic
0: into that sales funnel. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's super helpful. Um, So when it comes to the pillar and post content method, um, you talk, you touched on it a bit earlier, but talk to us about the importance of a having a strategy and conducting the relevant research before you implement any of that stuff.
1: Sure. Um, I talk a lot about intention. I talk a lot about content strategies need to have intention. You need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it before you even set foot in Hrefs or malls or seminars or wherever sure you're doing your primary research. Um, so I, I'll quickly run through the strategy that I implement and tell people why I, I, I do it this way. Um, before, I, it used to be that I would say, all right, let's look for your, your most ambitious pillar, You know, the, the key phrases that you want to rank for, um, and let's create content for them. Now for me, it's what are the categories of content that your product and your service uh kind of is related to and if those are the categories then let's put those up on the Google sheet or whatever you are um, notion or whatever platform you're using for content planning and let's start thinking about what are the not just what are the um highest you know uh, search volume key phrases within these categories but like what do we want to talk about as a business so say it's productivity as a category within your project management you know space um you want to talk about like, so we have a, a, a lot of the key phrases you're targeting are related to, you know, search volume. But some of them may be very product oriented, branded branded type content. Some of it may be like social media oriented content that just talks about, you know, is a listicle that doesn't really target a key phrase, but like is 10 productivity tips for remote workers. Cool article would do really well on social. Um, so you consider, OK, if this is a category of content. Let's focus 50% of our attention. This is for like mid stage businesses. Early stage, probably focus on SEO a little bit more. Mid stage, 50% of your content focused around um, driving traffic, and then 25% on bottom of funnel content, case study, examples, product related content, and then 25% related to social. Let's just say that that's kind of the, the breakdown that we're doing. Um, and then we create kind of the same kind of model for three to five different categories. Um, that we want to be known for, and then within each category, we have three to five pillars, and then 25 or so support pieces. Some of those being socially oriented, some of them being bofu bo- oriented, some of them being straight SEO support pieces. So then you have, you know, three by uh, 30, you have 90 or 100 odd pieces of content, and that's your first year of publication. Um, you're doing, yeah, somewhere around. Whatever 100 divided by 12 is. I'm sorry, I'm terrible at math. But you're doing that amount of content, <laughs> and uh, that's your monthly schedule. And uh, you publish the pillar pieces first. You have intention behind each one of them. You know why you why that's your pillar. Another quick quick anecdote. Pillars aren't exclusively focused on search on search volume. We have um, one of our clients. Uh, they do. Um, kind of they help students get financial aid and I identified all the pillars that I thought they should be doing and they said sweet we're cool with eight out of ten of these however um we're going to be getting into the like online banking space in the next year um we want to focus on that as and I'm like well okay but you're competing with American Express and Capital One and you know, Bank of America, like, these are, it's incredibly difficult for you, if, if, if not possible, impossible for you, a, a domain of your domain authority, um, as early stage as you are, who just got their blog live, to reasonably compete with Bank of America within the next year or so, if ever. Uh, and they said, it doesn't matter to us, that space isn't so important to our Service and our product, and who we want to talk to and about. We want to get those articles live so that our team can use them to answer support questions, so that we can repurpose some of the content for social media, so that we can, you know, create other uh, podcast-style content. Like we, we want like those pieces live, whether or not they're targeting high traffic or high high search volume key phrases, and whether or not we're actually going to ever rank for them. And I said, okay, those are still your pillars. Those are still your pillar pieces. We'll do everything we can to get them ranking, but for my purposes, from an SEO perspective, I'm not worried about, or they're not worried about, them getting to the first page anytime soon, and that's okay. I would say though, if you're if you're looking to drive traffic from SEO, which you probably are, have those kind of um, very brand focused pillars be less than twenty percent of what you're
0: doing in any given quarter a year. Okay. Okay. Well, those are some really great points. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblank Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.imblake.co for more information. You've already brought up some of these, uh, you know, these tips, but like, give us something actionable here, James. Now, granted, and you said it at least three times, as I can recall, this isn't going to happen overnight. But what can what can B two B content marketers do right now to boost their performance using this uh, pillar and post uh, content method? So, tell us about some easy to apply content strategies and the lowest hanging fruit. Off you go.
1: Okay, interesting. Lowest-hanging fruit is not pillar and post, if I'm honest with you. Well, I I can talk a little bit about some tips around the pillar and post, Um, and it'll it'll tie together. Essentially, pillar and post, I I alluded to this early on, which is the the content you publish now doesn't need to be the content that it doesn't need to look like now what it's going to look like in a year. In fact, please, it, it shouldn't. In a year from now, you will come back to these pillar pieces and make sure that they are as good as they can be, update them with new, st- new stats and do that every six months or so anyway. Um, add custom images, whatever whatever. Um, you can create good content and make it great once it gets to the first page of Google. Um, that's okay. supporting intelligently, having a backlinking strategy and uh, you know je- getting a bit of, of, of like the good content still ranks. Um, so don't worry about that necessarily though it does need to be excellent, but you know what I'm saying. It doesn't need to be like thousands and thousands of dollars invested into it necessarily, immediately. So that's kind of a quick tip on how to think about content, it's okay. Second tip is the low-hanging fruit component, And that's around optimization. As part of our scope of work with some, several of our clients, um, if they come to us and they already have hundreds of blog articles live, uh, rather than recommending exclusively net new content, I often take a look at, like I often run a quick content audit which is extremely straightforward now. It used to be a nightmare, but it's now very helpful because there's a lot of very helpful tools out there. It's very, very easy. Um, <clears throat> and I do an analysis of the URLs that they have ranking between 11th and 30th position for a high volume keyphrase. Now, I refer to those as 11s. They are opportunities for optimization that, talking about low hanging fruit, can send a URL from the second page of Google to the first. Again, we all know that the second page of Google does not get traffic. Um, I mean, ninth position and eighth position don't really get a whole lot of traffic. But if you can boost a URL from 11th to fifth, um, existing content, suddenly you're talking about a whole world of traffic you weren't you know, exposed to before. How do you do that? Um, well, There are tools that make it really straightforward. Uh, You can drag an existing, like one of your existing articles into a tool like Market Muse or Phrase or ClearScope or um, SEO Surfer. uh, Like there's a lot of great tools out there. Um, Drag it into their optimization tool and it'll spit out basically a score your content compared to the top 20 search results for the targeted key phrase. And it'll say your content is a little bit low on word count compared to the competition. Um, and it's missing these key ideas, this subject matter, these semantic key phrases, these secondary key phrases um, that, that the ranking content is, is including. So how about you go back to your existing article, um, add a section, say again, we're doing project management, add a section on uh, task management, because that's just like, it seems to be in every single ranking uh, URL in the SERP, and yours doesn't have it. So Google is going to quickly look through all of the, you know, the stuff that's targeting it and say you're not, uh, meeting the standard that the other, the competition is, and that, you know, do that for your clearest opportunities, the, the 10 or 15 or 20, whatever, um, and suddenly you'll get significant traffic. A note on that though is around cannibalization, which is a little bit more of a complex topic, but I will mention it really briefly because it it can, I I don't want to recommend something that, uh, people try and they're like, oh, I, it actually ruined my day. When you do a search, make sure that the URL you're targeting with optimization is not ranking higher for an unrelated key phrase. So the concern is if you optimize for a different key phrase that it's ranking 11th for, then you could cannibalize the higher volume, higher uh, ranking position that it already has. Um, It should be okay. (coughs) I'm sorry. It it, it, It should be okay if they are related enough that cannibalization will be a massive problem. Um, but it's possible that optimization of a new primary key phrase for that URL will cannibalize the existing ranking position and you could you could see a drop in it. So the, the ideal op- opportunity for optimization is when the primary keyword is the one that it's in 11th for. you know if the URL is uh, you know forward slash blog forward slash project dash planning, Project planning needs like should be the primary key phrase that I'm able to optimize for and move from eleventh to fifth. Um, so just be aware of it, be a little bit careful with it. But takeaway there: do not be afraid to update your content frequently and based on its existing performance. Whether it's a pillar that you published a year ago and needs to be updated and is now getting traffic, or it's a, an article that you, you know you published three years ago and happens to be in twelfth, um, don't be afraid to update your content. In fact maybe spend as much time and energy doing that as creating that new, because it may be a better opportunity for growth.
0: That Thanks so much for sharing that. Um, Do you see that happening a lot though? Like, you know, when clients come to you that they'd rather like not go back and review their existing content and instead just create something new.
1: Yeah. I think that's the biggest issue I see in the content space yeah. right now is businesses yeah. who are like, we need to be creating content. Um, our, our competitors are creating content. Uh, We're going to hire a content agency and they're going to create content for us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that is a lot of what we do. But what I hope I'm able to bring and we're able to bring is a different perspective on what is what should you be using your money for within content within the content space. Um, It is not always. I've talked about this a couple of times in this call. Like it's not always net new content. It's often optimizations. It's often you know bofu content that doesn't have SEO you know uh, uh, positioning. it's often uh, social oriented content because one of their other marketing kpis is not just traffic. it's also we're looking to build up a community. we're looking to build engagement. we're looking to engage on on, on this platform or that community or whatever. Um, so the primary yeah the primary thing I see is people coming with a word count target and me saying, okay, I'm going to scope all your optimizations in terms of word count, it's gonna be 750 new words, 250 words worth of work and custom images will be another 250 words or whatever it is. Um, And they say, Okay, okay, fine. But it takes it it can can take a step to convince them to do it.
0: Right, right. Um, You brought up something earlier that I wanted to go back to because I think it's actually quite important. Um, Let's open up your little toolbox there. Well, you know, like some of your go-to um, tools and softwares, if 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 you can share those uh, with the listeners.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, get out a notebook. I'll try to go slow uh, to let you write them down. I use, we use as a content production agency. We use a lot of different tools from the content planning perspective. I use Ahrefs. I've also used Semrush a lot. Both of which are great. Moz is also, of course, good. Those are really good platforms. Um, when we're doing kind of keyword uh, content like research, um, that's what we use. When the writers are drafting content, we use, of course, Google uh, Google Docs exclusively because it allows for multiple people to be in the same doc: client, freelancer, editor, etc. And then. The content that they write is brought into a tool like Phrase. We use Phrase. But we've also used um, Market Muse in the past and also ClearScope in the past. And we didn't leave because they were bad. We left because we left. Um, the So those tools will check the existing content they drop in. Um, sorry, the they draft they, dra- they drop in against the competition. You can also, of course, drop, drop drag in an existing URL and check that. Um, we also use uh, editors use Grammarly to check grammatical errors and errors in general. Um, we use a tool called writer.com, which allows our, uh, our editorial staff to import a, cl- a client-specific brand guidelines and then check content against that, which is a really cool tool. It's really good for agencies, but you know, uh, you know in- in-house teams can do that too. It-, it-, it cuts down on the time that it takes to edit, because um, while we do have client-specific checklists that our editors edit to. Uh, being able to import some of those checklists essentially into a tool like writer.com allows us that, to cut to the chase and the writer to, you know, avoid casual language, uh, avoid end uh, dashes, um, you know, like, or be very, you know, very casual and be, feel, feel free to cuss and feel free to use you know, contractions. All, all that kind of branded stuff that is very important to feel like a content piece is, is, is your brain voice. Um, so that's, that's Writer.com. Um, we also use a tool called AutoCrit to do plagiarism checks, which is helpful for using freelancers because you don't want them to deliver something that's already published, um, though Grammarly also has a plagiarism tool. Uh, I just found AutoCrit is a little bit I trust a little bit more. Um, then we use uh, project management tools to coordinate the entire process. We use ClickUp, though we have used um, uh, pipe fee in the past, and also Monday.com um, we use periodically. Uh, some of our clients use, use notion to do content planning um, which is a great tool i am a google sheets guy so that's that's my bread and butter um, and then of course we use loom loom to uh, film kind of video breakdowns for the writers if a content piece is particularly complicated we also um, use a tool called avoma to record uh like transcripts and calls which can be really helpful for in-house teams if you want to um, Get your CEO or your head of marketing or your head of sales or, or, or product or whatever on a call to have them go over an idea that they have for content piece or do a Q&A. Feel free to have one of your freelancers write up some questions or writer write up some questions, um, send it to the send it to the, uh, the the whoever expert you have on staff, um, and a will record both the call and give you a transcript of it. So that's, we also use that for client calls to make sure like, you know, demos and stuff are recorded for for the writer. So. Um, we are covered in software all day, every day, and it makes our lives so much easier. Um, I would recommend a trying, I would say my top ones would be Ahrefs, Phrase, and Grammarly, but there's a lot of fantastic tools out there.
0: Excuse me a second to catch my breath here. <laughs> no, that is an exhaustive um but comprehensive list. Uh, thanks so much for sharing that. And and just uh speaking of Avoma, I had the pleasure of interviewing the uh, VP of marketing on this podcast yeah. as well. So that's a shout-out to Yag. <laughs> like, um, shout out to Yag. Yeah. Yeah. You're so, like a uh, man.
1: yeah. That's that, yeah. that's that's what we call a tech stack, Christian. That's mm. a, yes, <laughs> that's indeed. One of
0: those stacks. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's 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 quite the comprehensive stack. <laughs> so, yeah. thanks so much for that. Um, this next question, um, again, you've brought up some of these already, but like, uh, just give us a list of like the top metrics that people should be measuring, right? Um, you know, when they're talk when we're talking about like uh the pillar post content method, what do they need to set up and track?
1: Yeah. Um the answer is not traffic, at least not immediately. The answer is ranking positions by and large. Um the reason that I would say ranking positions should be your primary metric uh for content kind of success and content growth is that you want to be really aware of them, whether or not you're saying that they're a success metric or not. They're not actually a KPI. They're a metric to be aware of, the reason being that if you start the internal links from your higher ranking content become more valuable as they climb the SERP. So if you have support URLs um, that are supporting pillar pieces, or a pillar piece supporting another pillar piece, or you know, vice versa, um, you want to be aware of where those URLs are within the SERP from 100 all the way up to first position, which is kind of the, the, what we say is on, is ranking period is 100 north. Um, So if we're saying that, sorry, the other side of that is that, so first and foremost, higher ranking URLs are more valuable from an internal linking perspective. They are also be aware of it for optimization opportunities. I've talked about Elevens and the you know low-hanging fruit. Uh, if a URL gets to the second page of Google and isn't quite and has plateaued there, plateaued being about kind of a month of staying between three or four positions on the second page of Google, um, we call that a plateaued URL. That one can be then be twe- can then be tweaked. You can um, okay, it's almost there. It's almost good enough for Google to rank on the first page of Google. Um, or on the first page, let's let's see what we can do to that one. And unless you're tracking keyword uh, metrics really carefully, you can miss that. You can miss uh, the higher ranking URLs that could be giving a lot of really valuable link love to your other content. And you could li- miss an opportunity for optimization. So that's kind of the first core key metric. And it's still probably the one that I track most frequently. Um, you can also, of course, track referring uh, 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 sorry domain rank and domain authority. Um, that one moves a lot more slowly, and frustratingly, is based far more on like external links and referring domains than it is on uh, really any other metric. Um, if you have a really good backlinking strategy in place, whether you're using a, you know backlink agency or whether you have an internal team, or whatever doing it for you, um, you're going to see your domain authority go up more quickly than just from sorry just from publishing content. Um so but that's still a metric because it basically says that Google it's, it's, it's a respectability meter as far as Google's concerned, uh, and they place respectable domains far higher than they do, you know, in non-respected domains. Uh, so once you kind of have those two, I would say also keeping track of um at the end of the day traffic is also really helpful. I would say ranking positions, and then seeing if those ranking positions are corresponding to uh, traffic within Google Analytics um, wherever you're doing your, your traffic tracking, because not just as like, a, oh, sweet, we're getting traffic, but also because traffic is a, is a SEO factor. It is one of the key SEO factors after links and after um, domain authority traffic itself. You also want to keep an eye on if it is getting traffic, then your bounce rates and exit rates and um, time on page becomes statistically significant. So only when you get a few hundred visitors to a URL every week can you actually say, oh, the bounce rate actually is 98%. Let's be conscious of that. Let's do something with that. So traffic is a metric not just for success of your content, but also a way for you to strategize and create better content, or better site design, or a better page experience, or whatever it is. Um, So consider all the metrics that you're you're looking at, not just along the lines of, like, this is success, this is failure, but also, is this metric actionable? And all the metrics that I've talked about are clearly actionable. Ranking positions is actionable because you can optimize content and make it better. Uh, Domain authority, domain ranking is actionable because if it's stagnant, despite the fact that you're ranking more content, you can look in the backlinking and you should do. And traffic is actionable because it allows you to see other important metrics that aren't relevant until you have traffic and and can't be trusted until you have traffic. And then when you can see those metrics, you you can take action on it. So think about the metrics exclusively uh, when, when they're actionable. Don't worry about them until they are.
0: Yeah, and all those are some really great points. And I love how you uh, you know, you started it off by saying not traffic first, because that would probably be the most predictable one that people would grab all hold on to, right? So
1: Dude, I'm a, I'm I'm a content strategist who has like (laughs) 20 high tier clients, I cannot say, Yeah, we're going to be doing this traffic in a month. Uh, (laughs) Because I'm yeah, It just doesn't work that way. No, no, absolutely. Within a year, we should be seeing some good ranking positions. That's, that's, that's my promise.
0: Yes. Yes. No, absolutely. Absolutely. James, man, this has been an incredibly informative conversation. So thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing your expertise and insights with the listeners. So quick intro to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you.
1: For sure. So my name is James Shear. I'm the VP of growth at Codeless. So a lot of my time is spent doing client strategy. Um, I can be reached on Twitter at JD Shearer. I mean, honestly, if if you're looking to connect, uh, I'm happy to talk about content strategy, do a content audit, whatever. Uh, The best place to do that would be to get in touch at codeless.io, C-O-D-E-L-E-S-S, which is one of those brand names left over from a previous (laughs) business that we ran, but we all have those. Uh, Codeless.io would be the best place to get in touch. Thank you so much, Christian. It was fun.
0: Fantastic. James, once again, thank you so much. So take care, stay safe, and talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at IMLG, please visit our website at www.imblick.co, and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.